Good evening. Today is Monday, June 27th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is Into Action, Step 6, and our speaker tonight is Nadine B. Thanks, Nadine. Hi. Yeah, thank you so much, Lisa. Uh, and yep, as she mentioned, my name is Nadine B. I am a gratefully recovered compulsive eater. I'm so thrilled to be here with you all today, and thank you so much for the opportunity to be of service and to speak on step six. So um, I heard someone say to me earlier today that while there, you know, only appears to be one paragraph um, in the big book on step six and seven, the whole book is actually about step six and seven, because they're about being at the intersection of willingness and action. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and actually, you know, I've been studying step six quite a bit more, um, you know, actually now that I'm through the steps and I believe that step six is, uh, you know, almost as much of an action step as many of the other ones. And I also heard from someone today that willingness without action is just a fantasy and that uh, decision without any action or follow through is just an intention. So all of this will, I think, come into play later. Um, I just uh, want to first talk about how, um, you know, I started out just like anybody else when I came to OA, feeling, you know, pretty defeated by the food and by life. And uh, my first meeting was January 28th of 2021. Um, I, I had spent decades punishing myself with food, um, stuck in the cycle of disordered eating. And, um, I had come to an OA meeting, uh, for the first time five years after it had been initially suggested to me by my therapist. And in the five years that had passed between that suggestion and my first meeting, I, uh, you know, put my body through absolute hell, uh, pretending I didn't have a problem that, you know, my willpower couldn't fix. So I have done everything under the sun to my body to uh, manipulate its shape and to get myself to um, physically stop eating, including bariatric surgery, which I had in 2017. Um, definitely like <laughs> went under the knife. And then after I couldn't keep all the weight that I lost off, um, after that surgery, I, you know, started to put the weight back on after a few years and, um, started doing, you know, every diet under the book, sometimes multiple at a time, you know, keto and intermittent fasting. And it was really like, a disorder, an eating disorder under the guise of intermittent fasting and keto, you know, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, at least that's how it went for me. And, you know, I had been struggling for as long as I could remember. I had my first eating disorder when I was seven um, and it just never stopped. And ultimately what happened was, um, you know, I had been in the, in the habit of restricting um, my food intake for a really long time up until I just couldn't sustain it anymore in adulthood. And, you know, it culminated in like, uh, in 
in what became binge eating disorder for me, um, sometimes binging and purging. Um, but I ate my way up to well over 300 pounds uh, prior to my weight loss surgery. Um, so, you know, I struggle just like everybody else that comes to OA struggles with the food in, you know, a variety of ways. And it really had a hold on me. Um, but I came to my first meeting on January 28th of 2021. And I couldn't understand what anyone was talking about because everyone was talking about God and the steps. And I didn't, I couldn't understand why it didn't feel like a Weight Watchers meeting. I wanted to talk about my stats and what I ate that day. And it didn't make any sense to me. I didn't, it wasn't one of those like, ah, I'm home moments, but I came back again the next day. And the next day I just kept coming to meetings and it wasn't, you know, I mean, I was going to meetings pretty much every day for a few months before I met my current sponsor. And, um, you know, when I, I, I was convinced that I wanted to work with her because I wanted what she had. And, uh, you know, I was willing to meet her requirements, um, everything that she required of me, like her definition of abstinence, I was willing to do it. Um, but I didn't have a conception of a higher power before that my, you know, day one of abstinence, which I started, you know, the, the day we started to work together. Um, and I learned actually how to act as if I believed in a higher power on day one of abstinence. And I'm happy to share now I'm currently at uh, just over 13 months of abstinence today. Um, so, uh, I do want to spend some time talking about um, just how action-oriented I do feel step six was for me. Uh, you know, when we think about being entirely ready to have God remove our character defects, you know, like what does that even mean? Um, you know, to me, it's about adopting the best possible attitude you can have in order to prepare for what is essentially an ongoing task. Um, you know, it's not a one and done assignment it's a continuous request for the willingness to surrender ourselves and our character defects one day at a time. Uh, I don't know if I, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but I don't know, you know, if I was necessarily entirely ready to have my defects released, you know, as soon as I got to step six, um, you know, I had just done a thorough four and five and, in doing so, I came to identify my part uh, in my resentments. And then um, in doing that, I became armed essentially with the language um, to talk about the nature of my wrongs. Um, and then when I was entirely ready, um, I now had the words to express to my higher power what it was I needed guidance on. Um, so it's it's through engaging in this process regularly that I am able to surrender my defects to God and you know eventually ask God to remove them in step seven. Uh, 
And even prior to that, because I'm able to identify and like, because I have language now to um, identify my part and identify the nature of my wrongs and essentially my character defects, I can ask God, how would you have me be instead? Um, and God usually would have me be the opposite of my character defects. Uh, considerate instead of selfish, altruistic instead of self-seeking, self-respecting instead of self-pitying, trustworthy instead of dishonest, and trusting in God instead of frightened. So, you know, by the time we get to that one short paragraph in the big book on step six, they've really driven the point home that willingness is an indispensable quality, right, for those in recovery. And we, when we arrive at step six, is our willingness present? So, you know, that there's a reason those steps are done in the order they are given. And it's because, you know, when we're at step six, we've hopefully learned what it means to act as if. Um, I uh, actually really love this step. I mean, there's like a ton of interesting literature that's program and non-program approved um, about it. And uh, something that I, I, I feel very strongly about on step six is that, um, and I was reminded of this during a conversation with a fellow today, is that God does for us what we can't do for ourselves, but not what we can. Um, so <laughs> like an example of this, uh, we volunteer to jaywalk into the middle of the street. Um, God's not going to stop traffic to protect me. Um, and God isn't going to wrestle the ice cream out of my hands, you know, in the middle of the night. Um, so I can't expect God to relieve me of, I mean, my character defects if I'm still in them. That's 10 minutes. Thank you, Kristen. Um, I do want to share an example of like, kind of my 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 character defects and in, in in action um something that like it it just took several co conversations with my sponsor last year for instance to realize and acknowledge that one of my biggest and most glaringly obvious to everyone except for me defects was my codependency um and now I'm in a, another fellowship specifically uh, for recovery from that defect. And it has been like so transformative, which is fantastic. But um, I'll tell a story about uh, a breakup I went through last year in September where um, it was especially painful for me. I didn't want the relationship to end. And I spent a lot of um, time and energy still uh, with that person, the person who broke my heart and, and ended the relationship. And while, you know, in recovery, I've learned to be gracious when people don't want to be in relationships with me anymore. Um, this person still, um, you know, wasn't respectful of my boundaries. We, we can't continue to spend time with each other. And, um, it really hurt and it was really confusing to me. Uh, so, you know, I would call my sponsor upset, you know, like this hurts, 
And she would, you know, she'd be like, well, I can't, you know, give you advice. I'm your sponsor, but, you know, maybe put them down, you know, and I didn't know how I couldn't bring myself to put them down. Um, and so I would pray, like praying to my higher power regularly, God, please relieve me. Please, please relieve me from the hurt that I feel over the situation. Please help me get through this because like it was unbearable every day. And like the reality of the situation was like, I was still sleeping with this person and deep in my defects. Like, you know, I, I, I know, you know, then, and what I learned is that there are layers to my defects that, um, you know, underneath my desire for like validation from this ex-boyfriend who broke up with me, I, is my extreme codependency. And that's all part of my disease. It's all part of why I came to OA. Because I am selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and frightened. And I struggle. I struggle with those things. And I, I turned to the food for a long time to soothe myself from those things. But the food is not the solution or the problem. I was using food as a solution, but uh, as it turns out, the solution happens to be the miracle that we discover in this program. Um, you know, it's a it's a spiritual solution to a spiritual problem. And that's really what I've learned a lot um, over my almost two years in the program. So, I also want to talk about like that waiting for the willingness versus praying for the willingness. And, you know, sometimes we don't feel entirely ready to put all our defects down all at once, but if we can act as if we are willing to put our defects down and give them away to God and eventually act as if we are released of our character defects, um, you know, I think it, it's like definitely part of my recovery has been, um, act like acting like I have the willingness, but also praying for it. Um, and so a question I like to ask myself and I actually like to ask my higher power is would a recovered person behave this way or do this thing? Uh, and, you know, even though I'm through the steps and I, I, um, I still have those character defects that crop up, you know, new ones. Uh, I mean, some old ones that I still have to ask for, I have to step seven them away. And, um, you know, it's just a continuous effort. Um, so yeah, that's something I ask myself and God often to determine how to navigate my defects. Five minutes. Thanks, Kristen. Um, and sometimes before I've even realized that I have, like, that something that's materializing is a character defect and one that I need the willingness to surrender soon before it becomes bigger and uglier. So in those circumstances, I also often rely on outreach with fellows and you know, a calls with my sponsor to help me 
process the situation and even in helping me acknowledge that the character defect exists. So, um, I, I, I feel like it takes a lot of um, mental action actually to accept that I have a character defect, let alone many. Um, so I do think that the step six is also an acceptance step, you know, acceptance that the defect exists and that, um, you know, I accept my defects exactly as they are and then I become willing to let them go. Um, I don't want to, I, I'm, I don't want to verge into step seven territory, but uh, I, I think that um, it's easy, I think, to gloss over steps six and seven because they're so, their sections in the big book are just so short. Um, and I didn't realize like just how important they were until I was through the steps. Um, and like I said, like learning well after that, like it's more of the big book is about our character defects and our willingness than I ever realized. Um, I also want to share that like, when I became willing to uh, surrender to a power greater than myself on day one of my abstinence, I, I had not prayed before in my adult life. Um, but what I had prayed for that night, I'll, I'll never forget, was um, the um, the willingness to be able to get through um, a period of night hunger because I used to have excessive, horrible night hunger, like 4 a.m. waking up like a zombie, feeling like I'm going to die if I don't stuff my face right now. And uh, that night, I had night hunger and I prayed to a power greater than myself to just like, please help me through the discomfort of this moment so that I can- Two minutes. Thanks, Kristen, so that I can get some sleep and be of service tomorrow. And it was like, I got, I think I was in discomfort for 10 minutes or less. And then I was able to go to sleep and I, I like woke up the next morning and I was just like, wow, like, like I really came through for me, you know? And so I just haven't stopped since I, I do believe that a, there's a power greater than me that I get to surrender to. Um, and yeah, when I took step six, I did eventually become entirely ready by acting as if, just like I did on day one. Um, and I no longer destroy myself with food. And I, you know, I, I was granted release from the compulsion to eat and to indulge in my disordered eating behaviors. So why wouldn't I believe that God would grant me the same release from my defects and difficulties? Um, and 
you know, my disease was destroying my relationships with people and my, with myself and, um, you know, now post post recovery or pre recovery, my relationships looked a, a, like a whole lot different than they do now. Um, I participate very differently in my life. I have um, a whole lot more peace and serenity around the food and around um, my interactions with people who frustrate me to no end. But um, I'm so grateful for this program. I'm so grateful for all of my fellows and um, for OA for bringing me to my higher power. And with all pass, thank you. Oh, perfect timing. Thanks, Nathan. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. All right. And Nadia, are you going to? Um, I am. So okay. we have Kristen H. who is first. Hi, I'm Kristen H. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you for letting me share and for letting me do service. Um, so thank you so much for what you talked about. And um, this is so perfect. Something is going on at work with one of my employees and, um, it's juicy y'all like super juicy. And, um, I actually had to call my sponsor <laughs> and say, I really want to gossip about this because I want to gossip about it. And, um, I would have sworn up and down that I wasn't a gossip, just like I swore up and down that I didn't, I didn't have any resentments. I just let everything flow off my back. Like, you know, and, um, you know, what else, you know, I, I'm not a liar. I always tell the truth except when I need to lie, just to kind of grease the wheels a little bit. You know, I just, I, I, um, and I think that's one of the best things about this, this program is that, you know, I have a disease that makes me react to food abnormally and makes me eat. And I'm in this cycle of eating and eating and eating and feeling terrible and not being able to stop. And then once I'm able to stop, I get to explore all the things in my life that I was trying to escape by taking the first bite. When that, when that twist of the mind comes in and says, you know what, let's eat, eat chocolate. It's because there's this mess that I just don't want to, I don't want to live in the real world. I want to go to the chocolate world. So helping me uh, understand, you know, 
what the mess is, is important. And so that I can look myself in the eye and say, Kristen, you are a gossip and Kristen, you have resentments and Kristen, you're afraid. And Kristen, you're a liar allows me not to beat myself up about it. Right. Any more than like the 11th step is about flogging myself, but so that I can at least start from a place of honesty, because if I don't acknowledge that I have these problems, there's no way I can make them better. And if I can't make them better, I'm living in a way that blocks me from my higher power. And that blockage sends me right back to that chocolate. So thank you so much for letting me share. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Next we'll have Nancy P. Hi, everybody. It's Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. So luckily for me, this book, while holding my feet to the fire, is nonetheless extremely gentle. Like the whole process says, you know, you're going to have to change. But luckily for me, I don't start at the end. It's not like ripping the Band-Aid off, you know, and going to the end. I start at the beginning. And the first thing that I had to do was surrender. And that was truly the only hard thing. You know, it's a big secret. Like, it's so hard to do this, this other stuff. But the only hard thing for me, anyways, was the surrender part. Everything else was, at worst, tedious. You know, it was just sort of a thing that had to get done that I didn't want to do, but it was not hard. And, um, and you know, when they say this, they say, don't worry. None of, no one of us has been perfect. They don't worry about that. No one of us has been perfect, whatever it says. I usually know these things, like, no problem, but I don't know that tonight. Senior moment. So in step six, it's really only the windup. The pitch is step seven. Because in step six, all I have to do is ask. And I don't even believe in God, so who am I asking? Like, nobody I know. And, um, you know, and step six and step seven, not to give away the plot, is about now, which is the only time that anything happens. You know, are we now ready to let God remove these defects of character? Remove them, not let go of them, not, like, get comfortable, whatever. Like, cut them out and throw them into some medical waste dump. That's what I kind of think of the mold that I had removed from my back is now in some medical waste dump. Um, you know, and I went through this whole thing, like again, this is the windup, not the pitch. Step five, its real purpose, for me anyways, was the first um, experience with true fellowship, to trust somebody to say who I was and what I was. And no one died, especially not me. So step six, I've already admitted these things are objectionable. How about it? You know, it's a gentle little, like, they jolly me along a little bit. Like, okay, you know, you admitted it, right? You don't want that stuff. You don't want to be angry and bully and dishonest and all that stuff and eating and all that. No, you're absolutely right. I don't want to be, do that. And so it, willingness never really got me anywhere. The, even desperation never got me anywhere. I had to be, have a single-minded ferocity and that only was possible with, um, for me with surrender. But luckily, I, I had that. And so I was able to do these things. Um, but they're not hard. The only thing that was hard was the surrender. And I'll pass with that. 
Thank you. Next, we'll have Veronica B. Hi, I'm Veronica, recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic. And Nadine, thank you so much for that share. And um, I just wanted to claim my seat. And uh, step six and seven for me is all about um, having an attitude that I want to be different, having an attitude that I really am sick and tired of, of behaving the way I used to behave, you know, because for me, like when I'm practicing a character defect, which I'm hyper aware of because of the work I did in the, in the fourth step and the fifth step, I'm so hyper aware of my character defect when I'm in it that um, like, I, I don't like how I feel anymore when I'm in it, you know? And so for me, like I had to get sick and tired of being sick and tired of practicing that one character defect. More recently for me is like um, insecurity, in my relationship, you know, like I, I, I chose to be in a long distance relationship. And as a result, like it makes me insecure. Now what I'm doing, you know, I'm behaving differently this time as I did last year when I was in it, you know, this, this time I am, you know, I'm not acting on how I'm feeling, you know, at the minute I feel insecure, like I immediately ask God to God, please help me. And then I ask God to help me practice the opposite of, you know, help me have trust in you, help me have faith in you. And then I, you know, instantly direct my attention to who someone I can help, you know, focus my direction on something else because what I focus on grows. And, you know, I have so many character defects and, but I really want to change. And I'm really am sick and tired of behaving the way I used to behave, because it just brings me a lot of pain and it brings me a lot of discomfort, you know? So I really do want to change and I do want to be different. And uh, for me, it's just really helpful to be aware of my character defects. And, um, and then when they crop up, ask God immediately to help me and to immediately, um, you know, remove this ugly feeling. And, you know, what, program has helped me like I don't have to I, I don't act on how I'm feeling anymore you know there's been like a pause and that's all because of the steps that's all because of my reliance on God and um, but really for me like I like that act as if I am the queen of acting as if you know at work it's a little slower it comes a little slower with my relationship um, with my partner but you know but I, but I have an attitude of like, I want to change. So um, thank you for letting me share. Thank you. And next we have Betty S. Hi everybody, I'm Betty S from, uh, recovered from Cocoa Beach, Florida. Well, thank you, Nadine, for your transparency, your honesty. I just admire so much when I hear of my fellows in their honesty, because honesty was so hard for me. I, I thought, I really thought before I, this time, before I came back after a long relapse, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm really, I'm nice to everybody. You know, I don't argue with people, you know, I'm, I, I. I didn't realize 
where my dishonesty, my huge character defect was in my life and what, what I ask my higher power to take from me. I can't get rid of it. I can't do that. You know, it has to be, I have, I believe that my higher power takes it from me. Not a hundred percent at one time. It's, it's a progression, but my dishonesty started with food and that dishonesty led to dishonesty with my, my husband, led to dishonesty with my family, led to dishonesty with my children. The dishonesty were not just that I was not necessarily telling lies, but not telling truths either. Um, and so when I started back in, in program in January, that was the, really the first thing I really, I just, I couldn't stand it anymore. I just felt like I was living in a different person's head which I was, I was in my diseased head all the time. And so when I, when I started back doing the steps again, and I got to step six and seven, I, I really prayed, God, you know, just take this dishonesty for me so I can live with myself. I want to be that free person. I want to live freely. I don't want to live with that, um, those feelings in my head that, oh, I should have said that. Or, oh, God, you know, I shouldn't talk about that person. You know, that that's not right. Um, you know, making excuses, that's lying. Making excuses, promising to do something or go somewhere. And then that day, because I was too hungover from food, say, oh, no, I can't. I can't, just can't make it. That's dishonesty. Um, and it goes on and on and on. And it was pervasive in my life. And today, you know, I do believe that my higher power really is working in my life. In, in all ways, but in this dishonesty, I, I see myself thinking first before I say something. I think first before I gossip, and that's really hard because, you know, friends want it. What do friends want to do? We want to gossip. We want to talk about other people. But you know what? I, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that. I can wake up in the morning and I don't have to be dishonest about my food. I don't have to hide that I ate all night. I don't have to run to the store at seven o'clock in the morning to replace That's the food fine. I ate all night. So without this program, I'm a very dishonest, among a million other things, person. And so I am so grateful. I'm grateful for you guys for being so supportive and all the help that I get and for, for my recovery. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Um, and before moving on to Robbie L, I'm going to take a moment to stop the recording so we can have a few minutes of unrecorded shares. 